Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Can Do Pod Things, a podcast where we talk about episodes of Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. I'm Annalise. And I'm Emily. And this week, we are finally doing the Chelsea Handler episode. The long-awaited <laughs> Chelsea Handler episode. Um, this has been in the the for a while <laughs> and we have referenced that we were gonna do it a few times and then didn't um we were trying to build anticipation did it, it work it worked for me <laughs> i mean i i feel skited about mm-hmm. doing this episode mostly because this might shock some of our listeners to hear but had a couple experiences with breakups that have been particularly formative. Clutching my pearls over here <laughs> in shock and amazement. As of as of recent, and by that I mean in like the last five years. Um, and I'm not that far out from a breakup, like very recently, like mm-hmm. within the last six months. So, um, I have a lot of feelings about it. You could feel the relevance yes, in it, what she was saying. It was definitely something that related to an exper- experiences that I've been having very recently. So, And there were times during this episode where I wasn't thinking of a romantic relationship, right. but just like friendships yep. that have come and gone for different reasons or... I mean, it it can apply, not all of it, but a lot of it can apply to a broad definition of relationships yeah she references that in there too that that it's not just this can apply to to friendship breakups Mm -hmm. or losses the grieving the loss of a friendship as well yeah because you are friends hopefully with the person that you're in a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. with so it's going to be similar uh quote of the week just real quick um it is, I, credit, I credit it to E dot D dot. I, those are their initials. Why do you like thunderstorms? Because it shows that even nature needs to scream sometimes. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I thought that was cute and whimsical. It really has nothing to do with this, necessarily this. Episode, I bet but. Chelsea has stood outside and screamed over this. Bet. Mm-hmm. So... Let's get into it. Let's do. My first note says, my love was so big, it blew me open. It's such a different side of her. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's- it feels real. Mm-hmm. Because it and is And it's real. so brave. Yes. Because she has established herself as this tough as nails, mm-hmm. ballsy, comic. Mm-hmm. And this is very different. Yeah, that. that this is no sharp edges. Mm-hmm. This is all goo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not well defined. But we like a gooey Chelsea. We do. We love a gooey Chelsea. We love a gooey and sharp Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Because that is like, you're not, you can't mess with me. Mm-hmm. Because I'm self-actualized, but I still am going to hold you on your shit. Yes. Yeah. That actually sounds like somebody I would trust. Mm-hmm. Because they know boundaries and they know empathy. If you're not sharp and gooey, you've still got 
some work to do. Yeah. We've all always got work to do, but. And if you don't know what that means or how that's relevant, then figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) My love was so big, it blew me open. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if everyone has had a breakup, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship that has been that redefining, Mm -hmm. but I have. (laughs) And well, and even before the breakup was redefining, the relationship was redefining. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and that's, I think that's similar for Chelsea too. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why, maybe that's what makes something a breakup more difficult. Yeah. The significance of the relationship turns into the significance of the breakup. Right. Such an upheaval because Mm -hmm. it was a different monster in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And this is not to throw shade at my ex-husband or anything like that because there's nothing wrong. that there. That's just not what this is about. Divorcing my ex-husband was difficult and hard and, and painful. Ending that relationship was difficult because he's the father of my child and – I can't get rid of him. <laughs> but that's okay because it it works for us. It's mm-hmm. fine. The breakup that I experienced in um 2021 was a billion times worse. Can confirm. <laughs> As someone who has seen I was through- on the scene for both. <laughs> <laughs> this first responder <laughs> really knows what she's talking about <laughs> and it what I do think it in and that makes so much sense in so many ways it was a different completely different relationship mm-hmm. and I'm a better person today having gone through that and mm-hmm. I've said this before mother fucker being blown open and just like completely obliterated Mm -hmm. and having your heart just like shards like tiny little shards Mm -hmm. pieces like yeah Mm -hmm. you feel it feels like everything just exploded your whole world shattered because it did yeah because you're you're adjusting yourself and you're you're rebuilding your world into a different version yeah if you want to be kind of glass half full about Mm it it's an opportunity sure yeah. But who wants to be glass half full about something that hurts that much? That's hard to do. It's difficult. Chelsea does a as good a job as anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And that must have been taken so much effort mm-hmm. and emotional maturity to to be able to do that. Um the next thing I have written down is uh, one day you are killing it and the next day you are not killing it. Mhm. And you're and it's killing you. It is killing you. Yes. It is definitively not okay. Mm-hmm. I have written down self-awareness and Dan Siegel. I have said that I, we were talking about this before we started recording. It blows my mind that Dan Siegel, downstairs brain Daniel Siegel, whole brain living or whole brain child Dan Siegel is her therapist. Like, Rich people. God damn. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> yeah, she was talking about later on in the episode, she was talking about like I gathered my housekeeper and my and my my groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. She was like, all those other things that rich people talk about. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I appreciate no, that, that she's so <laughs> self-deprecating about it. Yeah. She knows exactly what what how she appears. Yeah. Yeah. And then it said uh, she was in that she talked about being in that immature mode where I need to know the answers. And I don't know if this is specifically what she was referencing, but I know one thing that kind of led to the ending of that very, that specific relationship. We'll just call it relationship B. Um, when that ended, a lot something that contributed to that was me having to have answers for everything and so much so that I would obsess about scenarios or things or or anything that didn't make sense to me or I didn't understand I had to know why this first responder does not dispute that narrative <laughs> <laughs> and it created a lot of problems it created, uh, Brene Brown talks about this too, though, like the story that you tell yourself. This is the, the story mm-hmm. that I'm telling myself. Uh, our brains are puzzle mastering machines. Like they're engineered to do that. They find data, they analyze data, they put it together and form a picture so that we can predict what's going to happen. So when something happens that we don't understand, it is natural for us to go, okay, well, I'm going to analyze the data and I'm going to draw this conclusion based on all of the information that I have available to me. Well, but that's just one possible version Mm -hmm. because there's an infinite amount of information out there that is not always available to us. And there were just so many situations where instead of (laughs) me going to this person and saying, the story I'm telling myself is that the reason you haven't texted me all day is because you hate me and um, you have been, it, you know, um, you prefer to spend your time texting other people and whatever. And do, also doing it in a way that's not confrontational or making assumptions mm-hmm. and having generosity. That was not my instinct in that relationship. And that really caused a lot of problems. And I like it. There were times and Chelsea talks about this later on too, where I look back at things that I did and I knew in the moment I was being actually crazy. Like, mm-hmm. like this is next level crazy pants. This is where Chelsea said she learned to just put the phone away. Right. Walk away from the phone. Yes. Glennon saves it in her drafts. Yes. And doesn't say it for 24 hours. Right. And I I have recently adopted, within the last year, adopted a similar thing because Mm -hmm. of like, I specifically struggle with impulsivity. Thank you very much. ADHD. But it, I mean, feelings are impulses. That's what they are. So everyone struggles with impulses 
of feelings. It's just that then when I have ADHD, primarily impulsive type, it makes it even more difficult Mm -hmm. for me to go. I, this is a feeling that I can sit through right out the 90 seconds or however long it takes and then be done with it. Mm -hmm. So I would, I, I, but that wasn't something that I started practicing into like the last within the last year. Well, and there's the chemical rush. Yes. Of sending the text. Yeah. Even though you know you shouldn't send the text. Mm-hmm. The dopamine addiction mm-hmm. or, and the way that we relive experiences, trauma, relationships that we've had in the past. And and we were she, we were just talking about this is a this is a thing that we know that our bodies do and who all of the different researchers that have presented information on how we reenact trauma or re-engage in traumatizing events Mm -hmm. because our brains are actively trying to change the ending. I mean, anyone who's familiar with Bessel van der Kerk and his groundbreaking research on trauma um, and in the book, The Body Keeps Score, he talks about this. Nicola Perra talks about it. There is um, another psychologist, uh, Galit Atlas, who talks it's it's a thing like we know that th- this is a thing and our especially when you've experienced maybe some of those more frequently changing dynamics as a kid your brain learns early on and is hardwired early on that's the rate at which you should be shifting mm-hmm. um and this is why we also know that Trauma, symptoms of trauma often mimic symptoms of ADHD. It's probably not too crazy to say that ADHD may be triggered Mm -hmm. by trauma. And that's how that gene expression gets turned on. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I just kind of made that up, but I'm sure I'm not the first person to try to make those connections either. What I was thinking about as you were talking about that. And I wanted to go back in and actually find out just how much of an effect this has. Um, Negativity bias, Mm. how Mm -hmm. we tend to perseverate more Mm -hmm. on the negative Mm -hmm. than we do the positive. And at least according to Nicole Neuroscience, it is at a rate of up to two and a half times Mm -hmm. what we, the energy and the attention that we give Mm -hmm. to the positive things. You know why we do that? I could probably speculate, but. Again, it's hard written Mm -hmm. into our, our brain encoding Mm -hmm. to remember the um, negative experiences as a survival mechanism. Yeah. And our identifying threats. Right. Yeah. And you're more likely to remember this was a bad thing mm-hmm. because it's going to help you survive. Yeah. But I, it, there, and there's, but it doesn't. It does not actually <laughs> not help. No. It, and, and alongside with that, it also, there's a different chemical release mm-hmm. in our brain that occurs as a result of that, that then it becomes addictive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and how fucked up is that? I mean, brains are cool, but also, like, give us a break, man. What the (laughs) So trying to think in those moments, like, what things might I be overlooking? Yeah. You know, I'm laser focused on the negative stuff right now. Mm -hmm. If 
I had to pick out three positive things or even three things that are maybe not negative things. <laughs> right. That's That feels tricky to me in that it would, as someone who has a history of staying in something longer than mm-hmm. they need to and making excuses for, for something, that sounds so similar to that, that it makes it difficult for me to embrace as a healthy strategy. But you're absolutely right. And that's not all your fault because as you know, it depends on what part of your brain you're Mm. currently occupying. And so she goes on to say that you cannot do that until you are out of your downstairs brain. Well, goddamn. Okay. And to do that, she recommends... Specifically, she says going for a walk because <gasps> the most bilateral of your simulation, eyes the horizon. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and also there's you're physically moving one and yeah. left and right and left and right in a rhythmic motion to where you are are engaging electricity not only with your eye mer- your eye meridian movement mm-hmm. but also physically the electrical impulses. Yeah, it's essentially yeah. EMDR. EMDR. It's a poor man's EMDR. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's so interesting to me too. That I've I've taught I've said this before, not necessarily on this podcast, but I I started running in in 2020 um, because we had joined Vasa and we were getting back into the workout groove, and then the world went on lockdown, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> that increased anxiety for a lot of people. And I hated running. I I am not quoting quote unquote good at it. I never really I never learned the mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't. I never learned the proper form or breathing techniques or blah blah blah. I'm just picturing you doing a Phoebe, <laughs> <laughs> which I know is not how you run, but just let me have this. Yes, you can. I, I'll allow it. Um, it makes. I would I so there was a period of time where I ran all the time like mm-hmm. I ran a lot like if not every day then at least every other day and it was not like I'm running a marathon I would run a mile maybe two miles but I was running all the time <clears throat> and I felt better and and it it really helped with my anxiety because I instead of sitting on the couch and ruminating and just perseverating on all of these intrusive thoughts I at the time I made the connection that I was just giving myself something physical to distract myself mm-hmm. from but it and then I noticed too when I was less stressed and less anxious I didn't run and honestly I haven't run I think I ran god what like maybe five times in 2022 mm-hmm. I still went to the gym but I I just running was not as fulfilling for me and it was it, running just wasn't what my body needed. Mm-hmm. And I, I always made the connection when I'm less anxious, I don't feel the need to run as much, but I never really, really plugged that in with bilateral stimulation or EMDR until like just now about how I don't, I didn't need that kind of therapy mm-hmm. because I wasn't dysregulated to the point that I needed that kind of intervention. Yeah. In 
a different podcast of theirs, and I don't remember who the guest is. It would be useful to remember who the guest was. But they talked about how when your body is in active fight, flight, or freeze, Mm -hmm. it is almost a requirement of you to have some kind of an an action, Mm -hmm. some kind of a physical action. You can't just in your head tell yourself the threat is neutralized. Right. Because your body doesn't get that message. So until you do something like run, Mm -hmm. which your body goes, okay, this is an appropriate response Mm -hmm. to a threat. Mm -hmm. Now the threat is neutralized. Mm -hmm. Was it uh, Emily Nagoski? Maybe. Maybe. Because in Burnout, Emily and Amelia Nagoski are sisters and they wrote um, this book, Burnout. And in Burnout, they talk about completing the stress cycle. Yep. Yep. That's the one. Oh, shit. So we know real quick what's episode's going to be bumped <laughs> up on my list because mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with that book and with those authors. Um, yeah, the that you the natural primal urge is there's the presence of a of a lion. Mm-hmm. The lion is going to attack my family. There's a physical altercation with the lion that expels all of the adrenaline and Mm -hmm. cortisol and all of those fight chemicals that build up in our bodies. Yeah. When your body is poised for action, Mm -hmm. it needs the action. You build up. It's like, it's like, it's like burping a baby. (laughs) You build up all of those, Mm -hmm. all of that energy and you can't just go, JK. Yeah. Right. Like, (laughs) like physically that's not, you've got to have somewhere for it to go. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, when I read that book, that was a, a big thing for me was like, Oh shit, no, that makes so much sense. And it makes sense for the work that I do too. Mm -hmm. When I have clients who are upset and can't necessarily iterate why getting them up and doing something physical to get that energy out of their body, it's kind of like a, it's like a good cry. It's not dissimilar to having like a good cry. Yeah. You, sometimes, you just have to purge the toxins, whatever they are. And toxins is kind of actually assigning shame to or negativity to it. And it, and it serves a purpose. It's mm-hmm. not, it, it's valid. There's a reason why it exists. It's not something that we should try to reduce. But anything can be toxic in the wrong yeah, situation. It's all about balance, mm-hmm. baby. Yeah, I love that. It's really useful to know these things when you apply them with students or clients. Because I remember being Mm. a kid and people would tell me things like, take a deep breath, go for a walk. (laughs) And without knowing why they're telling you to do that. It sounds trite. it, It does. And dismissive. But once you can explain... Here's what's going to happen in your body when you do this thing. Mm-hmm. That's a game changer. For sure. Because it let it's it's just giving them a reason why. Mm-hmm. It's it's building trust with them that you know what you're talking about. Yeah. You're not just dismissing them. I think that it's basically just like evidence-based practices mm-hmm. with your with whoever you're working with or with yourself. Yeah. It's good. It's a good kind of tool to know about. And it's not a just trust me model. Right, right. You'll understand when you get older. It's collaborative. Yes. When you're a kid, that's all you really want from anybody. 
Mm-hmm. You're tired of being told, just do this thing. And it's trust getting to me. the root. It's mm-hmm. instead of identifying this, treating the symptoms, yeah. it's treating the cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know all of the answers in case you were <laughs> curious. We've, we are figuring it out right now. In real time. You're witnessing a miracle. Um, a big thing for me, what in, in recovering from the the damage caused during relationship B <laughs> was recognizing that some things are unanswerable. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the answers. Sitting we, in the uncertainty and the unknowing. Yeah, yep. And just knowing that like, knowing that you won't be able to know. Mm-hmm. You literally are not going to get the answers to everything and, and being okay with that. And I think that is does take a lot of maturity to mm-hmm. be able to understand that or at least even a- approach that it's possibly true. Yeah. Um the next <laughs> the next thing I've written down is she talks about the right kind of hard versus the wrong I'm kind so of hard. I'm so glad you brought that up. That was in my notes too. And or when to dig deeper. And when yep, and when and, to stop digging. And when to stop digging. As someone who really values growth who didn't necessarily know that she valued growth until relationship B. Mm-hmm. But I have, I've come to really realize that that is something that I find fulfilling. A very specific thing that I do need the answer to, mm-hmm. when to stop digging. Because like how much discomfort is enough? Like what kind of discomfort? And when thinking about boundaries and I've had to redefine the way that I think about boundaries actually because of this breakup maybe if we're running with the digging metaphor the question is whose shovel are you holding (laughs) is it yours right or are you holding theirs right yeah yes there may be times not a lot of times but there are some times where we need somebody else to hold our shovel yes but are those times greatly outnumbering mm-hmm. the times that you are able to do your own work. Yeah. How long are we taking a mm-hmm. break? How much of this hole has been dug by my partner yeah. versus me? Mm-hmm. What in identifying, because in if I'm putting a lot of emphasis on discomfort and using that as a tool to identify my areas of growth, which kind of uncomfortable is this? Is this because I I think of very rudimentary understanding of boundaries is things that that make us uncomfortable but it's not just it's not that mm-hmm. not just that yes and yeah it's it makes me uncomfortable in a way that is disembodying me mm-hmm. not this is making me uncomfortable because it challenges my history or it's reminding me of something that made me uncomfortable before it it requires that curiosity piece mm-hmm and I guess that's the answer to how to – when you can identify the right kind of hard versus the wrong kind of hard. Something that you used to say to me when I was in that relationship was, it's not supposed to be this hard. <coughs> you said it's not supposed to be hard all the time. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, – that was a thing when I got – when I started to realize this is hard all the time, mm-hmm. that maybe that meant that – it's the wrong kind of hard. Right. And I need to stop digging. 
this is where I thought about friendships. Mm. And when you realize that you're in kind of a one-sided mm. friendship, mm-hmm. that you're the one who's always doing the reaching out, yeah. you're the one who's always extending the branch and knowing when it's time to just appreciate that friendship for what it was yeah. while it was, yeah, but release it. Yeah. And that's all, that is something that I've, that I do also kind of like struggle with a little in that as someone with ADHD object permanence and out of sight, out of mind mm-hmm. is like, <clears throat> oh shit, I should have texted that person back four days ago. And it's not because I don't like them mm-hmm. or care about them or whatever. I just, I just didn't think about it. But there, there can be a different tier for that kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. And if someone is constantly putting in the effort to maintain that level of connection and it just isn't a priority for your brain, ADHD mm-hmm. or not, to keep maintaining that, then that can't that is a sign right that it's time to stop digging mm-hmm. uh when you need to be right that's when you're wrong she talks about this a little bit later on in the episode two she says something really similar to it like when she was in therapy and um <clears throat> how she was insistent that like i don't Dan was talking to her about attachment styles Mm -hmm. and wanting to go into her childhood and her attachment with her parents and her being like, no, I don't need to talk about that. And when someone is just so, when she was so insistent on that was not relevant, Mm -hmm. then that actually kind of shines a light on meaning that it really is relevant where the pain is the hardest or the deepest or where we really don't want to talk about it. The place where you build up your highest walls yeah. is probably an indication mm-hmm. that there is something behind that wall that really needs to be addressed Yeah, that has been too painful to address. Mm-hmm. They talk about that. That comes at the very end, but they talk about how we often confuse strength mm. with impenetrable walls. Mm. And these two things are not the same. No. No. And that's a difficult thing for me to initially to think about in that you you have to filter who is allowed through the walls. Mm-hmm. And that, I guess, involves self-trust, really, in that I can trust myself to identify which person isn't going to fuck me over and identify which person has not earned the right mm-hmm. to see that type of vulnerability. Yeah. I think when it becomes a red flag is when the message isn't, I'm not ready to show you this thing yet. Mm. It is, I don't care how close we get. Mm. I need you to know right away. I'm never showing you a this thousand thing. percent off limits, mm-hmm. which again, feels weird when we think about boundaries, but boundaries require us to have that level of curiosity is this a core need? Is this something that will will cause me to completely deny my own needs? Mm-hmm. Or is this something that is just stupid painful, very scary, mm-hmm. very traumatizing, very icky to confront, but will confronting it do harm or will it do good? 
Yeah. And when we think about effective boundaries, there's vulnerability in an mm-hmm. effective boundary because in order to say this is a boundary that I have, you're communicating this is a boundary that I have mm-hmm. because this is a sensitive spot for me. Again, a boundary is not for other people. Mm-hmm. It is for us. It and is just saying this is a sensitive spot for me is acknowledging that you have sensitive spots, yeah. which is different than somebody who just puts up all the walls and says, I don't have any weaknesses. Look at all these walls that I've got. Right, right. Yeah, just because you have a bunch of walls built up doesn't mean you're strong. Mm-hmm. It just means that you've put obstacles in the way of your weaknesses. Uh, Nicola Perez's definition of boundaries in her book, How to Do the Work, where she says the boundary is not for others, it's for you. It is not an ultimatum to make someone else behave a certain mm-hmm. way. An ultimatum is a statement that assigns a consequence to someone else's behavior as a means of trying to affect change in it. A boundary is a personal limit that is expressed so that your needs are directly met. It is an action that we take for ourselves, regardless of how the other person acts. I saw somewhere else, um, I think I shared it on Facebook, where a boundary, a, a healthy boundary is if if this continues to occur, I am going to respond in this way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a boundary is not any kind of assignment of someone else having to engage in a behavior Mm -hmm. Uh, or like it's not, it's not, if you, you have to stop doing this, Mm -hmm. you're not allowed to do this. It's not trying to control the other person. It's, it's all about how we respond to the thing and how that's so critical for identifying why does this make me uncomfortable? Is this uncomfortable because it requires me to live in such a way that I am not meeting my own needs? Or is it uncomfortable in such a way that it's it forces me to look at something that is confusing that I don't understand mm-hmm. and actually do something about it? Again, it's like, is it going to hurt me or is it going to help me? Right. So, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Something that I really loved that she said was, when you're in pain, love out. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I I know that I have that written down. When you're in pain, the best way to deal with it is to love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The res- to respond by loving. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me so much of Brene Brown's um, way to respond to... Um, uh, not anticipatory grief, Um, when she talks about foreboding joy, Mm. how do you respond to that with gratitude? When something good happens and and you get that fear of like, this is not going to last forever, Mm -hmm. something bad's going to happen, how do I respond to that? And when you respond with gratitude and saying, you know what, something bad might happen. And, but I'm just grateful that I was allowed to experience this mm-hmm. in this moment. And that is something that I can take with me, whether or not this thing lasts. And that's so clear in everything that Chelsea says yeah. on this pod. Mm-hmm. That there's grief over this relationship, but I didn't hear nearly as much grief as I heard gratitude. 
Yeah. The grief was present. Yeah. But the emphasis was not on the grief. Yeah. And it was it was about the gratitude. It was just so much more just like generous and and it wasn't this taking sides mm-hmm. or pinning the blame on either person. And it wasn't toxic positivity. Right. Toxic positivity is something that you do, you perform for other people. But what she is doing is for her, mm-hmm. for her growth, mm-hmm. for her well-being. That to me is the difference between it can be hard to spot the difference between those two things, but that is the defining difference for me. It's authentic Who's it versus for? faking it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah, we fake it till we make it. Sometimes mm-hmm. we you know, beliefs are just practice thoughts. But you could tell that it was something that she genuinely felt. Yeah. Versus a fake thing that she's telling herself to try to make herself feel better. Yeah, nothing about what she said in this 50 minutes or 60 minutes felt inauthentic. Right. Yeah. You could. Yeah. I think that that is maybe why this is such a compelling episode because it's so raw and it's so authentic that mm-hmm. you just can't help but feel like it is, it's connecting with you. Mm-hmm. She talks about, um, she said this thing about, I did everything I could to make it work. And that reminds me of a line in um, a song by J.P. Sachs where he says, I still kind of think it was up to me when I never could have made you stay. And that's when we're trying to control. Yeah. That's when you're not willing to sit with the unknowing. Right. And and saying, I am controlling this entire Mm -hmm. relationship, this dynamic. I'm controlling the way that you respond. And I'm not going to let this happen. Mm Because you can't just see that we can't control the other. And we can't get our validation. We're not getting our validation in this relationship because I have this other external Mm -hmm. person here. I need to be getting the validation from myself. And she talks about that later on, too, where um, she said something about... uh, and she, she does, she talks about that somewhere later also. Um, but that is a, a big thing that I kind of came to realize as a result of my breakup experience. Mm-hmm. And that goes across the board for like A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Even the most recent one. It being because um, if I start to catch myself abandoning my own needs because I need this other person's light in order to make me glow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's a red flag for me yeah. that this is not a healthy relationship. This is, this is codependence. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to look at a relationship that has so many positive, healthy aspects to it. It's dialectic. It, it's two, both things can be true. It could be a really fulfilling healthy relationship in certain ways, and then somewhere along the road, it turns codependent. I'm wondering, why is the unknowing so intolerable Hmm. that post-relationship, it feels more comfortable to say, this was all my fault, than it is to say, 
this just didn't work out and I may never fully know why. Yeah, I think it's- Why is it more comfortable to say, I accept 100% of the blame. I just didn't work on this as hard as I could have. Mm. Why is the unknowing that- distressing well, because to us. we want an answer mm-hmm. we demand answers even if it's to this an puzzle answer that sucks yeah yeah <laughs> we would rather have a bad answer than no answer when you're attention seeking mm-hmm. and you engage in behaviors that are are going to get you quote-unquote negative attention mm-hmm. it's because you it doesn't matter what kind of attention it is you still need that attention and i also have feelings on this whole idea of attention seeking like it's valid, mm-hmm. but anyway, um, yeah. So even if I have to blame myself, I have to have an ending to this. I have to know why, why this happened. And at least if you trace back far enough, if yeah, you say I, I blame it. myself, then that does mm-hmm. lead to I had control over this. Mm-hmm. Which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Total bullshit. And you know what? But that That is just one of the most frustrating, heartbreaking, I'm going to call it fart-breaking. <laughs> That's fart-breaking to uh, <laughs> Glennon a phrase. Mm-hmm. That when you love someone, genuinely love them, and they're just not at the same point in life that mm-hmm. you are, and you're just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> But I see you. Mm-hmm. I know you. I've seen what you're capable of. And yes, you're, do- you're doing the best that you can at the moment. But like, I have seen your best. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're capable of that. And you're just not capable of maintaining that level of, of success or skill. Mm-hmm. And just how just... Even now, just thinking about it, I'm getting all worked up on how frustrating it is to to have to accept mm-hmm. the answer that just sometimes it's just not the right time. I haven't worked this out yet, so I want to hear what you think. Okay. You know, I have thoughts. How does that apply when we think about later in the episode where Chelsea talks about how she's the truth teller in mm. her friendships, mm-hmm. whether you're ready to hear it or not, she's the truth teller. Mm-hmm. And also... If you are the other person, the friend mm. who you can come at me with the truth and you might be right, mm-hmm. but there's nothing in that that's helping me right now. Mm-hmm. Because on the other end of that, maybe it feels to that person like shaming. Yeah. Or I'm not ready to deal with that. I'm yeah. genuinely not in a place where I can deal with that. I guess it's not an absolute <clears throat> one is right and one is wrong. It's just a difficult dynamic. Yeah. I think that reminds me of the Jane Fonda episode where she talks about each relationship was showing her what she needed to work on mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> when she learned that lesson, that that ended, that vessel ended, and she moved on to a different <clears> – <throat> lesson Mm -hmm. or phase in her life. It makes me think a lot about um, Nicola Perra talks about when you live in alignment with your truest self, you will attract the people who are meant to be around you. Mm -hmm. And at one point in time, that person was what you needed. It's like the soulmate theory Mm -hmm. too. um, That wasn't actually Liz's 
personal theory, it was Richard from Texas Mm -hmm. who said to live with a soulmate forever is way too painful. Yeah. But the soulmate being a mirror and showing you what you need to work on. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's how I explain that. Well, and you know, I think we do this with each other. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a difficult truth to tell me, or I have one to tell Mm -hmm. you, I think most of the time we'll ask each other, like, I have something that I want to say about this. Mm -hmm. It might be kind of hard to hear. Do you still want me to say it? Right. Or is it okay if I still say it? May I approach the bench, Your Honor? Yeah. And if one of us is like, no, (laughs) I'm not in a place right now in this moment Mm -hmm. where I can receive that. Yeah. I just need to be soft right now. It, it, and it doesn't have to be affecting – it doesn't have to affect our relationship. Yeah. It doesn't mean yeah. that then we have to move on mm-hmm. because, well, I'm at a different place in life. I'm a different level cook than than this person yeah. is and so that makes me us not compatible mm-hmm. as friends. I, I think too though that that's a testament to our bond with each other mm-hmm. and our own levels of emotional maturity that – you can be more evolved in one area than I am and it not threaten me. It doesn't come from mm-hmm. a place of scarcity. It's not about you being a better person. Just like I could be more evolved in one area and that's not something that you're able to accomplish right yeah. now or or that you have the spoons to deal with right now. It doesn't mean that I'm a better person. Mm-hmm. Or I'm more emotionally mature or whatever. Right. It just means our journeys are a little different. And when you ask, it accomplishes both yeah. of the things that you want. Because mm-hmm. you're being gentle with the other person's feelings, mm-hmm. which everybody in a friendship wants to do. Acknowledging boundaries. And also, you're coming to them with something that feels true that you think they deserve to know. Yeah, You're still speaking your yeah. truth. You're yeah. still not abandoning your own mm-hmm. needs, but you're also respecting that your needs and their needs yeah. might not be the same. And um, this was an argument that I had when I was in relationship B one time where there was some confrontation that needed to happen or someone did some confrontation and it was just like, okay, but I was not in the moment. I In that moment, I was not in a place where I could hear that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, I was 30 minutes post-surgery. I was not in the frame of mind where I could really hear what you were saying. And you didn't know your audience. Right. I didn't have the, you, I did not have the emotional space to process that in that exact moment. Read the room. Right. And me, say, and, and me saying something to the effect of, we ask, mm-hmm. are you in a, in a space where you can talk about this right now? Or do you have the emotional energy to take this conversation on? And that person being like, that's fucking weird. (laughs) People actually have those conversations. If that was never modeled for you, Mm -hmm. and that is not a thing that you have ever seen anyone do, or or, like you didn't even know that was an option, it's going to seem weird. If the stuff that you're doing isn't working for you, you need something weird. Yeah. You need something new. You need something different. Embrace the weird. (laughs) We have plenty of that to go around. Yeah, that that reminds me of that conversation and how that's that's how we do friendship. So it seems to be working out pretty well for us. We're not saying that we have all the answers, but we're not not saying it. Precisely. (laughs) Um, She talks about 
can you equate love with telling the truth? And that telling the truth is the loving thing to do, which of course reminds me of Brene Brown, clear Mm -hmm. as kind. And in Atlas of the Heart, she talks about the most loving thing that we can do is allow another person to experience the consequence of their own behavior. I think the the full quote from Atlas of the Heart is sometimes even when the pain takes your breath away, Mm -hmm. the, the most loving thing we can do is let the people that we love experience the consequences of their own behavior. And that is a concept that I use in parenting and something that I use when I'm working with my clients in this whole idea of denying someone the consequences of their own behavior being a human rights violation. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think there's, and knowing how to present that in a way that is loving. Again, asking, are Mm -hmm. you in a place where you can hear this right now? And if they say no, not at all, figuring out how to proceed in a way that honors both your boundaries and mine. Because by saying, I have something to say about Mm -hmm. this. Mm You haven't abandoned yourself. Mm -hmm. You've communicated that you have something to say about this. Mm -hmm. And the hope would be that when this person is ready to hear it, they will say, okay, let it rip. Hit me with it. I'm so glad you said that because that reminds me of in this relationship B, when that (laughs) would happen or Mm -hmm. that we, I would, there would be an issue and it would be like, this is not a time that I can deal with this or I, or this is not a time that I am able to, can we talk about this later? Or I'm not as far advanced on my emotional work as I could be mm-hmm. in order to respond appropriately to this. Right. But then never coming back to it. Mm-hmm. For me, it was, it's, it's really reminiscent of that whole, no, I'm not, Pushing it away, avoiding, 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 avoiding. Mm-hmm. And if that continues to happen to where the person does not come back to a place where they can respect your boundary mm-hmm. as well, that being one of those signs that it's time to stop digging. Yeah. I, in my 20s, I remember some friendships where the relationships that they that my friends were in to me um read as being very toxic mm. and i wasn't really allowed mm. to talk about how toxic it seemed and also it was an expectation that i would never not listen oh, to yeah. how awful it was mm-hmm. and part of that Part of that is just being a friend up to a point. Yeah. And then you do one of those care frontations <laughs> yeah. that Amanda talks about where you say, hey, I'm not going to force my opinions about this on you. But also, I can't just sit in silence mm-hmm. with this anymore. This is a boundary for mm-hmm. me. If you continue to engage in this behavior... I'm not assigning shame or Mm -hmm. any kind of value to it. I'm just saying the way that I'm going to respond to it is I'm going to ask that you not bring these problems to me if you don't want to hear the solution. That takes so much emotional maturity and Mm -hmm. understanding and conceptualizing of our own feelings. And I mean, what 16-year-old child can do that? Most I I know that there are plenty of grown-ass adults. I mean, like – 
I literally just had this conversation Mm -hmm. where you maintain a friendship with someone and you love them and you care about them and you're here for them. But then there gets to be a point. Amanda calls it carefrontation. I call it shit or get off the pot Mm -hmm. where it's like, all right, do you want to, do you want to be a victim Mm -hmm. and continue to engage in this learned helplessness? Or now that you know that the problem exists, do you want to do something about it? Yeah. If you don't want to do anything about it and you want to remain a victim, that is your life. Mm-hmm. Blessings on your day. But I can't be your sounding board right, for that. I, I love you and me mm-hmm. enough to know that that dynamic is not one yeah. I can participate in. And that doesn't mean you hate that person or you're, you have like this massive falling out or whatever. It, to me, it's kind of like the, the tears of friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like maybe that just means that person gets shifted to a different shelf. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that the sh- these shelves these shelves are one and done, right? Like it's not like, well, once you get on shelf D, you, you never get back up to tier A. Mm-hmm. That's That it rigid and inflexible way of looking at people is not very generous or emotionally mature. Yeah. It's just a reality though that sometimes people are going to play different roles in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we really do have all the answers, honestly. <laughs> if only we could use them. Right? Like, if only, <laughs> if we, only we applied them. We weren't always in our downstairs brain <laughs> to where we were like, oh my God. Ah. <laughs> um, I love that she said, anytime anyone asks for space, no problem. Mm-hmm. Don't resist the change. People are at different places in their lives. When somebody comes to you and says, whoa, I need space. I don't, I, I can't hear this from you. Mm-hmm. Instead of, Reaching for that compulsion of control, recognizing that is not my love language. Mm -hmm. That is not my mission field. All right. Bet. You need space? I respect that. Yeah. Because I do, and and not in like a sarcastic kind of way or in like a shitty kind of way. You want space? I'll give you the, I'll give you the fucking galaxy. Not in that kind of way, but in like a, you know what? I do love you and Mm -hmm. I do value you. And even though I'm upset with you right now or I don't feel super well bonded to you, I still remember that I care about you. And because I care about you, I'm willing to give you what you asked for. Yeah. It is my hope for us as we get older and wiser. Mm -hmm. And sexier. uh Uh-huh. Duh. That was implied. It's my hope that... We've been burned by that stove enough times at a certain point Mm -hmm. because 100%. There's a time in most of our lives, I think, where when someone says, I need space, you are going to throw yourself harder than Uh, ever in their path. I mean, irresistible. Never ends well. Never. And how many times do we have to learn that lesson (laughs) before you finally go, okay, I've seen this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. I know this is a choose your own adventure. And for the first time ever, I'm going to go with page eight. Thank <laughs> you, page four. Also very reminiscent of at what point in our lives do we stop seeking the approval of our fathers? Mm-hmm. At what point in our lives do we stop continuing to try to force a square peg into a round hole? Or at what point in our lives do we stop seeking drama because 
if we're all being our most honest selves, there's a little thrill. There's a little... Yes. Mm-hmm. Of course. Is it me? <laughs> Am I the drama? <laughs> yes, bitch. It's you. Yeah. And I want to watch. Mm-hmm. Brene, simil- so adjacent to that, Brene Brown t- talks about a hot wiring connection. If, mm-hmm. And the phrase, like, if you have nothing nice to say, come sit next to me. Yeah. And people who hot wire connection and bond over their mutual dislike of mm-hmm. something. But that's an inauthentic form of, con- of connection. And how that relates to what you just said. Yeah. I mean, it really can be an addiction. Yeah. No, it, in the most yes, literal sense. Literally, your yeah. brain becomes again, it goes back to then when you were when your body became accustomed to that shifting dynamic as a child. It it learned, it was programmed early on that this is the the return rate at which mm-hmm. we should be experiencing this dopamine or adrenaline or cortisol or norepinephrine or whatever it is. This is the appropriate return rate and and this is what we should expect to where we then create those situations so that we get that experience. When I have thought about this in dealing with adolescence, <laughs> you almost need to deploy like rehab protocols. Yeah. In working with them. Yep. Because you are trying to break them of an addiction. Yep. It's not enough to just sit there and say, well, that wasn't very nice, was it? <laughs> <laughs> so s- most of you are probably not aware that I have a few viral TikToks. I'm what they call a micro-influencer. My f- first one was related to breakup. Mm-hmm. That had maybe like 11 million views or something stupid like that. Another one that I had later on that went viral was when I really like watching the passage of time, like time lapse videos and stuff. And so I I decided it was time that I needed to do a a detox from this person. Mm Mm-hmm. Because and at this was my my lovely therapist Laura was the one that was kind of like you know what you're describing really resembles love addiction mm-hmm. and maybe this is something that you need to do and my initial instinct was very Chelsea nope 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 <laughs> nope that sounds horrible terrible no good very bad have ab- that is not what I need thank you but no mm-hmm. that is absolutely not the answer well it was. And so I did end up doing that. And I, I filmed little videos of myself every day. And the goal was to go three months, which honestly never really seemed doable to me. Mm-hmm. But I did go a whole month. and Which is no less of an achievement. It was so hard. Mm-hmm. What, did I – was it more than 30 days or was it literally 30 days? I don't remember. I think it was. But 29 days. Or I don't something, dwell but, on the number because yeah. who freaking cares? There did get to be a point. It was a big number. Yes. It was a hard thing, and you did it. And it did, it, it was a detox. Mm-hmm. And you could watch. I think that that's why it, it struck a nerve with so many people and why it, it had it ended up getting so many views and being shared and saved so many times. Because you could see in, in practically real time mm-hmm. how I changed physically from this person to 
a different person. Liz Gilbert talks about it in Eat, Pray, Love, where you are like this absolute... I don't even know why that happened. It was weird. Oh, it was me. I'm the problem. <laughs> you you go, you turn into this person that's unrecognizable and you do these crazy ass things to get the next fix mm-hmm. and you become so wild and emaciated that you become just completely disgusting to You're the other person. You're a junkie. And and that is and that's just so off-putting and the opposite of attractive mm-hmm. to the person that you're addicted to. And that is so hard to see when you're in it, just like any other mm-hmm. form of addiction, because it deals with the same chemicals. It is, like you said, it is an addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And trying to find adolescents who are willing to recognize that, participate in treatment for that. <laughs> Willingly. It's not easy. No. How do you do it? If I had a really good answer for that, I would be a gazillionaire. <laughs> I mean, all you all you can do mm-hmm. is you give them the tools. Mm-hmm. You explain why these tools are better for them. And then you let them go. You release them with this toolbox that you've given them. And you hope that they use it. That's the worst. That's the worst mm-hmm. is is giving everyone the tools and then but remembering that it is your choice whether or not you use them. Denying someone the consequences of their own behavior is a human rights violation. My job is not to live your life for you. My job is to give you all of the tools that are available in a way that you can understand and utilize them. It is your choice. Mm-hmm. You are the captain of your own ship, the writer of your own story. Mm-hmm. You are the main character. You get to decide whether or not you shit or sit on that pot for the rest of your life. And you get to decide whether or not you hear that mm. and you hear that as, well, you're victim blaming me. Right. Or if you hear that as, you're showing me that I have the power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that can be received in either of those ways. Right. And I think that also goes back to emotional maturity. Mm-hmm. And how much shame are we taking on or assuming, mm-hmm. because it's not super generous, that the other person is saying? Because how many times have you ever, you know, brought up something to someone and they're like, oh, well, I guess I'm just the worst person in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's an emotional immaturity tool because confronting the fact that there may be some truth in that is too difficult. And so it's easier for us to just assume that they're being an asshole or we are so insecure about our own issues that when someone says that we're going oh yeah you you think i'm a piece of shit and that's why you brought that up as a as a deflecting tool i hope you know how good you are at not falling into that trap i know i've told you this but like you're really good you're not the one to you're never going to be the one who goes there first mm-hmm. but it's very tempting when someone else goes there first mm-hmm. to just jump right in the mud with them mm-hmm. you're very good at not doing that I might be tearing up a little. Um, 
But because I'm like, not only am I going to jump in the mud, I'm going to grab you by the back of your head and I'm going to rub your face as deep but you into know, that mud. <laughs> yin and yang. I think that <laughs> in Breakup C, there have been situations where I was just generous, generous, generous. And to the point where you were like, you're a better person than I am because right now I would be angry about blah, blah, blah. And then I'd be like, oh, wait, I do feel that. Mm -hmm. I just explain it away. No, it's okay for me to be upset and feel a certain type of way. Mm -hmm. I don't have to assume the best all the time. Yeah, it's both things can Mm -hmm. be true. And that's why you work so well for me. Because you remind me that there is the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. I don't have to live in one world all the time. So there you go. That's why. That's- I'll take that. <laughs> Any final thoughts before we finish this up? Um, I'm so excited to watch Chelsea's future unfold. Mm, Whatever yes. it looks like whether it includes a partner or it doesn't I'm just excited for whatever life has in store for her because whatever it is she's she's open to it that ties into my final thought which is something that um Abby brought up love it's the relationship that we have with ourselves mm-hmm. it goes with the quote that we had a few weeks ago of I don't need you to make me bright I'm bright all by myself yeah I I choose to have you around because when we put our brightness together, mm-hmm. we could set fire to the world. Um, that Ruby Core poem. This the foundation for a good, healthy, rewarding relationship is love mm-hmm. for myself, mm-hmm. and I, I that is something that I found to be true in this whole breakup. Actually, in every a, B, and C breakups. Um, but learned, I think, the most of it with B. You just said something that I was thinking without even know I was without even knowing that I was thinking it. Yeah. But when I say I'm excited to see what is in store for Chelsea, you made me realize that it's not that I'm excited to see her discover something. It's that I'm excited to see what she does now that she has already discovered something. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to watch <laughs> I'm ready to watch Chelsea Handler love herself. <laughs> but that's I mean like yeah. What a It's not that I'm excited for her to find this great thing. Mm-mm. It's that I'm excited for her because she has found this great thing. Now what's she going to do now that she's found this great thing? And that gives us hope. Mm-hmm. And she she does talk about that. Like it you know if I can go through this and I can show people that I can go through it then it makes other people feel less alone. Mhm. Then And also in showing us, because you can speak your truth and because you can love yourself, that gives me hope and provides me with a model Mm -hmm. of how I might also gain this amount of joy and genuine happiness and satisfaction in life. So Chelsea, we we have all eyes on you. Mm -hmm. History has its eyes on you. (laughs) I was thinking about... I was thinking about satisfied from Hamilton. And then it made me think that, you know, we have our eyes on you. We're watching Mm -hmm. you. We want to see what you do next. No pressure. Legitimately no pressure. Yeah. Not in a threatening way. No, no. Just 
your cheer section has assembled. That's why I got put in this position. Um, I'm in this leadership program and um, there were these these two positions that were at the, the top of this specific project. And I, I split this role with this other person and they are the, um, the doer. And I was chosen be specifically for my ability to cheerlead. I love that. Right. But, but yeah, uh, hi, I don't take that as any kind of, no, that, because that, what is my skill? Mm-hmm. That is my, I just want people to feel safe and happy. That's my skill. I'm just glad that there's recognition of how important that is within this project because you yeah. don't always find projects where there's a space for us. A cheerleader like at the that. top. Mm-hmm. The cheerleader is is a supporting role, not yeah. a main role. Yeah. Let's make cheerleader more of a, a main role. Yeah. And they did. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Leadership Lafayette. And thank you guys. Yes. Thank you so much for, for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope that you got some sort of satisfaction or connection or purpose out of this. If nothing else, perhaps it helped you fall asleep and (laughs) gain some well-needed rest in this new year. Um, Thank you so much for listening. I'm Annalise. I'm Emily. And this has been We Can Do Pod Things.